And um, there's kind of a neat story behind that. And it, in, it involves a, a, really a tragedy or a, a very sad moment. And that's the kitchen. That's Paul Kitchen. So um, the story really starts last Sunday I was here. And, and, and it's neat because I had been out at my place out by Abilene, my little farm that I have, 18 acres. I, I grew up in Clyde, and I still have a little place out there. Excuse me, I'm aging, and I need to hit. Um, anyway, I had not planned on coming back. But a while back, Hector goes, oh, we're having the crawfish boil on Saturday. And my wife said, ah, we haven't been in quite a while. We should go. Okay, and so instead of staying at my place and taking care of my animals and building this barn that I'm building, I came back Saturday to go to the crawfish boil, and that allowed me to be here on that last Sunday morning, because a lot of times, I, it's every two weeks or so, I'm, I'm not here, but I was here last Sunday. I sat right over there with my wife, we listened to Mike preach that last part of Second uh, Peter, and this church, I love this church so much. I love Mike. I, I love the people here so much. It's like, ah, man, I just, I want to, ah, I wish I could just tell them that again. I just wish I could express that to this church here at Lakeway. And a bunch of you are going, well, we don't know you, but, but a bunch of you do. And then Sunday, I go to, uh, Monday, I go to work. And uh, I had come up after the service, talked with Mike, prayed with him a bit about his trip. And and uh, he gave me a call. And he goes, Ricky. And he told me about the situation with Paul and Chris. Chris was supposed to be here today. And I assure you, uh, it would be a much better, well thought out, presented message if Chris had been here. But you're going to get me. But Mike told me about the situation with Chris and said, do you think you could bring the message? And I just said, whatever you need. Whatever you need, that's, that's fine. And I hung up the phone and I kind of said, man, God, I, I kind of made this little wish to you, this little prayer to you, and you, you heard me. And that's kind of neat how it happened. And then Randy told me this morning, he's like, yeah, I kind of mentioned to Mike that maybe he should ask you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and of course, I'm talking to Mike and it's like, Mike, you're supposed to be on a plane. Why are you talking to me? Anyway. Now, again, a, a bunch of you don't know who I am. And you're going, why would Mike or Randy ask this guy, Ricky? So, when I was first at Lakeway, this is many moons ago, that was me and my wife. Yeah. Yeah. I am extremely fortunate. Her, not so much. But... I think, I, I'm almost positive, this is probably about a year after Lakeway started. I'm 99.9976% I'm sure we were the first couple to get married out of Lakeway. You know, right? and, and the other cool thing, we didn't do it in the church because the church made it that time in a daycare center. And we didn't want like a wedding that smelled like baby diapers. So we had it on a boat out on Lake Ray Hubbard. All right, next picture. This is probably me at about 
my second Mother's Day with my wife. And that's my son, Riley. My daughter is back there in the back with my grandson, Noah. And she's not even in the picture here, so this is pre-Leah. But look at the hair. Oh, that was my vanity. All right. So today we're, you know, I started thinking about the world we live in and what goes on. And you look at that picture, and the one thing I know is time passes, right? And when time passes, we encounter all sorts of things. And at times in life, it really feels like the walls are coming down on us. And not just, I, I want to preface this, it's, it's not just about, oh, I got sick with this or that, or I'm needing some money or this. Those, trouble, those, those problems, or I'm losing my hair, those problems come no matter what. That's just age. It happens. No matter what, the longer we live, everything, the longer we go, the higher percentage that something goofy like that is going to happen to us. The more years you drive, the more times you've probably had a fender bender. It just happens, those type of things that happen. But this, these walls that I'm talking, crashing down on us, are because we are who we are. Because we serve who we serve. Because we are a group of people that call ourselves Christians because we follow Christ. And that's, we, we've heard about that with out of Second Peter, here we are in First Peter. I'm going to be talking First Peter, chapter four, all of it, and I'll try to go fast. But in that book, we're going to see that this is not something new. It's not something new that the outside world looks at us, and because of who we are, and if we're acting the way we should act, if we follow in a way that we should follow Christ, it's going to rub some folks the wrong way. Not because we're doing anything wrong, but because they examine their own life and go, ah, ah, I don't, mm, ah. If you go to a doctor and uh, he says, uh, you know, you could stand to uh, use, lose a few pounds. And I just had to, to deal with the cardiologist for the first time and, and I or heard that and I had to confess to him. That, hey, right after they did this exam thing in my heart, I, I went over to Rocket Burger and had a, a double cheeseburger. <laughs> he was not too happy with that. And it's kind of embarrassing, you know. He was telling me the right thing to do. He was showing me the right thing to do, and I had to admit that I was doing wrong. Well, that's what happens if we live the right way. We don't have to say a word. You can live a righteous life following after Christ, and I'm sorry, some of the world is going to look at you, and because they know you before, a lot of the times, they're going to say, hey, man, what happened? You used to go out with us all the time to, you know, we have. now aren't you doing that? Well, I, I, I've changed. I've changed a bit, so I don't do that anymore. Okay, so when the walls come crashing down on me, 1 Peter 4.19, I'm going to read through these as fast as I can. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, equip yourselves also with the same resolve, because the one who suffered in the flesh has finished with sin. 
in order to live the remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there's already been enough time spent in doing what the pagans choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, lawless idolatry. So they are surprised that you don't plunge with them into the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands by ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that though they might be judged by men in the fleshly realm, they might live by God in the spiritual realm. Now the end of all things is near, therefore be serious and disciplined for prayer. Above all, maintain an intense love for each other, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve one another as good managers of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among to test you as something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah so that you may also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of his glory. If you are ridiculed for the, in the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Holy Spirit of glory of God rests on you. None of you, however, should suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he should not be ashamed, but should glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty... What will become of the ungodly sinner? So those who suffer according to God's will while doing what is good entrust themselves to a faithful God. So, like I said, time passes. There's nothing we can do to stop that. No matter what we do, it's going to happen. And what we know is bad things are going to happen as time passes. And that in itself is kind of, oh, it's depressing. Uh, man, I mean, seriously, if I do it, when I, when I look like I did back there when, on my wedding day, if I'd have known, uh, and, and I, I guess I wasn't smart enough because I look just like my dad. But if I'd have known it was going to turn out like this, I'd have probably said, Honey, I, I don't want you to have second thoughts, but myself, I would have probably said, you know, I do need to eat better, exercise more often, you know, maybe better hair products. I don't know. <laughs> but I might have done things a little differently. I might have acted a little differently in my life. I might have walked in a different way. I certainly should have exercised in a different way. Well, we, we as Christians, we know 
we know what happens kind of in the end, right? We know what happens if we're not saved. If we haven't accepted Christ as our Savior, we know it's a despicable end. We see that later. He tells us in, in this scripture. So, we have salvation given to us, a, a free gift from Christ. Why then should we not walk in a different way? Why then should we not walk in a little confidence knowing that what the end's going to be and going, I should live and do better. I should endure these trials, if you will, because God's got, got me in his hands. It's taken care of. I've just got to get through it. And I can be an example to somebody who's watching. And I don't know who might be watching me. More than likely, all those friends you knew before, before you found salvation, they're looking at you. And they are, like it says here, they're going to be going, hey, why aren't you doing the things we used to do? Why aren't you doing the things you used to do? Why are you different? Well, it's because we have a faith that what we're doing is for God's glory. And he tells us later, he tells us, hey, it's going to be a good thing for you. It's going to be a great thing for you. I'm going to, if you suffer for me, I'm going to glorify you. You're going to exist with me in Christ, in, in heaven forever. All right. Christ suffered for us. I mean, he suffered for us. <laughs> I, a lot of times in my daily walk, I'm like, Okay, God, I want you to fix me. I want you to get me through this. I want all these things to be right. I just don't want any pain. I would like to avoid all pain and get all the gain. I do not like the no pain, no gain the theology. I like, uh, I don't want any pain and I want all the gain. But that's not how it works, unfortunately. We need to be strengthened. We need to be tempered like a sword. You know, they, you take it, they beat it out, they heat it up, they cool it down. I just built this barn. I'm, I'm still building this barn at my place. My brother and I welded it up. And, and uh, don't check my welds. But uh, anyway, yeah, there, it's a metal building, and you get skin on it, and you, you put a screw through the metal into the other metal. What, what you found out pretty quickly is if, you, if, if, if I'm putting a, a screw into that metal pretty close to where I've welded, and heated it up, and it's cooled down, oh, it's a lot tougher. That metal's hardened. It's gotten... But if I go down a way where it hasn't been heated, it's just been cooled and welded, hey, that goes easy. We're the same way. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be able to endure more if we've been tempered a bit. And that's about what a lot of this is about. But he tells us, hey, I suffered. Christ suffered. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'll, I'll be going through my life. It's like, man, God, that something's this is just not right. It's not right. God, can't you just tell me why is this happening to me? And he goes, hey, look at me. Look at me. What you're going through now ain't nothing compared to what I went through for you. I hung on a cross for you. I hung on a cross for you as an individual. And I was there. 
and I bled, and I suffered. I had a beating with a whip to a point of, I was not even recognizable, and I did that for you. So Christ suffered for us in an unimaginable way. And you know, when he corrects me like that, when he taps me on the shoulder, he's like, I know it's tough, but you can make it. I have a great example. I mean, there's nothing that I can go through in any way that he hasn't gone through. I mean, Hebrews tells us that, right? I mean, Hebrews tells us. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, and yet without sin. So who am I ever to complain about, Oh, man, this is a bad day. Mm. And even for, even when it's a bad day because somebody outside my circle, somebody who's not my buddy, or maybe it's somebody who is my buddy, maybe it's just the world in general, maybe it's the other political party, whatever, that group is looking at us and saying, hey, you hypocritical Christian. Uh, I want to make life worse for you. You shouldn't be able to speak. You shouldn't be able to read your Bible. You shouldn't be able to talk to somebody in public about your faith. Uh. When they put that type of pressure on us, we really got to go to this point and realize Christ suffered for us. And he didn't sin. He didn't give in, if you will. If we look at this cycle in humanity, this idea of the outside world getting upset with us because we're walking our walk in faith, it's nothing new, right? It's a cycle that goes around, continues going around, and this thing is crazy, uh, this, this, this microphone thing. No, I'm not complaining about it, but I'm a person whose mind runs 100 miles an hour, and this is like, hey, squirrel. You know, I'm a puppy dog and my tail's flicking in the view. What goes around comes around. I mean, if you look at, at your life even, look at your life, and I'll bet you can identify some cycles in your life. Maybe things that you've repeated that you shouldn't have repeated, or maybe some things that have happened to you that you wish wouldn't have happened to you, but it seems like they come back around. And sometimes we cause that. In this example, and, 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 and what happens in the world, the world looking at us as Christians and going, ah, I don't like you because you don't make me feel like I'm where I should be. That I'm doing what I should be doing. And it's not because you're going up to them and going with a 10-pound Schofield Bible, repent! It's just because you're living your life. It's just because you're saying thank you in a, in a line at the grocery store and, or God bless you or no, I can't do that because it's not who I am. And sometimes it, it could be, hey man, uh, can I give you something? And hey, why are you giving me anything? What do you want from me? Just being good sometimes is going to make the world look at you and go, what is your problem? Uh, I don't like you because... Mm. you make me see the worst part of myself. 
that has happened since Christ came. It happened to him first. I mean, look at what he did in his life. Now, let's see. Oh, and I was going to say this, man. You know, there's nothing that I can do or say up here. I, I, I have no right. I'm not really worthy to be up here talking to you. I'm not, you know, I, I, trust me, I have my closets that I don't want anybody to look into. And it's not about me. It's about you. And it's about letting God's miracle of the word work on you today. And I pray, and my prayer has been, and when we prayed before we came out here, dear God, let them hear what you want them to hear. I equate it to this. And this is a little rabbit I'm chasing. I equate that, you're listening and, and, and God's speaking and me speaking and hopefully you're hearing what God wants you to hear. It's like the miracle at Cana. Jesus' first miracle, right? Turned water into wine. All right, so my prayer right now is, okay, God, let me be water. Turn me into wine, and, and everybody's going to leave here real happy. Yeah, there's a lot of them going, yeah, well, uh, miracle of Cana, miracle of Cana. Please, God, please. <coughs> uh, and, and here's another neat thing. We've been through Second Peter here. Our small group has been through First Peter. So my small group can probably take a nap, but God's been preparing for this moment to engage with us, to engage with you on, on today. And, and, and I kind of thought, like, wouldn't it be cool in like 20 years, 30 years, you could go, yes, I was there at God's 16 billionth miracle uh, when he turned uh, water into wine at Lakeway on Mother's Day 2023. Cool? So follow that. Miracle of Cana. So our recent culture, I mean, I've certainly felt in our recent culture, and I want to say what's happened since kind of March of 2019, if you know what I'm talking about, until now, everything just seems like it has exploded in this political realm that says, oh, you got to accept this, you got to do this, this is right, you can't, don't ever, uh-uh, how dare you, if you're not for us, you're against this type thing, uh, no, you got to champion us, you got to do this, you got to do that, and we as Christians have just, oh man, and we've heard uh, uh, politicians and people out there in public saying, oh, the church is just horrible. The church is no place to be. The church is going to put you down. They're fake. They're not. You hear that. We're being talked about in a way that's making us uncomfortable. We're talking about in a way that, yeah, man, I, man, it's harder to be a Christian today. But in truth, what goes around comes around. Every generation has had these same things happen to them in some way or another. Everybody has experienced this type of pressure. It's not something new. And the one we followed and the guy that wrote this book, Peter, they died because of it. 
They were put to death. We as Christians can't expect, we cannot expect that if I live my life as Christ lived, if I am a follower of Christ and I'm Christ-like, that we're going to escape any of that turmoil. It's going to happen. We have a different dynamic. And this is where I hope you really latched on as a believer. It doesn't end here. It does not end in this fleshly life. It goes beyond. We have a promise. We have a purpose. We have a future beyond this place. And that's what we live for. You know, Peter talks a minute, and this is kind of a, a, a in verse 5, it's kind of weird. Because verse 5 says, uh, you know, for this reason the gospel was also preached to those who are dead. So that they might be judged by men in the fleshly realm, they might live by God in the spiritual realm. That is a perfect picture of what we experience in the symbolism of baptism. Because everybody, at one point, we were dead already. And, and some scholars believe that when Peter wrote this, and when he said those things, he, he was talking about people who had found salvation, they had accepted Christ, they had become believers, and then they died before he got to this message. He was going, okay, everybody, we were dead. We were already dead, all right? And then you found salvation, and we rose to walk in a newness of life. We rose to walk for the spiritual life that will not cease. We will be united with Christ and all the other believers rose, risen before us. We will be in heaven with them. So we all have accepted this gospel. We've all received that while we were dead. And because of it, we will walk in a newness of life. Because of it, our old way our, is past. And we have something to go for. And the end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and disciplined for prayer. Above all, maintain intense love for each other since love covers a multitude Multitude of sins. Again, it's a picture of that cycle, right? We like to think, oh, man. I, I think Mike alluded to it a bit last week. It's like, this, hey, the end times is near. I mean, we're hearing it. We're reading it now, and we're thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Peter wrote this, and he was... He was still alive. That's about 2,000 years ago when he wrote that. And we would go, well, you know, he, it wasn't really near. But it was. For Peter, the end was very near. He didn't live too much longer after this. He was crucified on a cross. None of us out here can go, oh, yeah, I'm going over to the bank and I'm picking up a few extra days. I'm going to extend my life by, you know, three or four weeks. None of us get to do that. Whether you live another 60, 70, 80 years, I don't know. But I can promise you one thing. You're closer to the end date. You're closer to the termination date uh, now than you were uh, now than you were now than you were 
you see, we're always inching towards the end is near. So, let me, I mean, that simple thing you've been asked many times before, knowing that the end is coming, how should you live your life differently? How should we act differently? How should we treat others differently? God said, hey, maintain intense love for one another. Maintain intense love for one another. That's how you live differently. That's how you overcome some of this, oh, man, everybody's out to get me. Maintain a love for one another. Because when you stumble, when you fall, when you make a misstep, you're going to have somebody who's there loving you back just as much to help you up, to wipe down the skin knee, to kiss the boo-boo and make it all better, to help you get back on the right path if you need. That's what love can do. It covers a multitude of sins because it's assistance from a brother or a sister to get through that difficult moment, that difficult time, to go, hey, you're not in this persecution alone. We're here with you. It's always, it's always the end times. So, be hospitable to one another without complaining, based on the gift each one has received. Use it to serve others as good managers of varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Christ Jesus in everything. To him belong the glory and the power and the love forever. Amen. How? That, that's... that's the picture of what we're supposed to be like. We're not supposed to be, man, you didn't do that? Come on, come on. Especially with one another. Because remember, our old friends, our old people, are the, the, the people we work with, the people who are the politicians that want to put us down, or the, the politicians who don't want us put it down. Everybody outside the group of Christian faith, everyone who is not a believer, is looking at us. And they're watching how we treat one another. We're watching how we, they're watching how we serve one another. And then they're probably even more blown away if we go out and we serve them without a mean attitude, without a lording it over you attitude. That persecution that comes from the outside, that suffering, not up for debate it's gonna happen i'm sure everyone in here could probably experience how somebody has said something nasty to you or mean to you just because of who you are and you could talk to me about my hair and it would hurt my feelings very much but there are a lot of mean things that go on in the world that come from the world at us we don't need to add to that uh, one another you know it's how we deal with this paradigm or what paradigm we set for ourselves when we're in suffering as to whether we're going to deal with it in a great way or whether we're going to go, oh, man, I'm just beat down. 
I am so beat down. Do you realize how much you can give? Every one of you. Hello. Every one of us. How much you can give? What you have to, and you may think, oh, my situation is different from everybody else's, and I just need help. I just come to church. I come to church because I need somebody to tell me, you know, you're good, sweet, nice. But in truth, your suffering is an advantage for you. It's a moment for you to share with somebody else who's experiencing some of the same things. And you can say, hey, you're going to get through it. You may not look beautiful afterwards. You may have a lot less hair, but you're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. Now, I mean, it, that's a promise from God. The promise from God is, I'm going to get you through. You're not suffering in vain. You're not suffering just so. God is not the little kid with the magnifying glass over the red ant bio. He's like, hey, mate, let me watch, you, watch this one right here when I burn him. Oh, that's kind of cool. That's not God. The world is out there with a magnifying glass. They're watching us. And if they can put some heat or paint on us, they will. Because you know what? And you just go, hey, now you're looking. Great. Come on. Let me show you what I'm doing. You want to watch? That's fine. We need to have an attitude of, hey, always let me serve you. How can I help you? Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the suffering of the Messiah so that you may also rejoice with a great joy at the revelation of his glory. He said, you know what's going to be cool? What's going to be cool is if you have that buddy who's always bragging on you. All, yeah, the old Christian guy. Mike talked about the guy who's on the scaffold with him or whatever. But what will be cool is there, it's not everybody. It's not everybody you meet that will happen. Because we have free will in ourselves. We get to choose. But if you live a life for Christ, it will happen. Someone will come up to you and go, hey, man, you know, I didn't know about you. But I met Christ because of you. You made an impact in my life. And that, that will give you a joy that you will not, it, it's uh, unfathomable. Because you're not saving a life and it's like, yep, I, I stopped the bleeding. Yeah, I stopped the bleeding. You're saving a life for eternity. You're introducing some, someone to Christ or helping them gain an experience with Christ that they might never have had. Just sometimes by your living after Christ, just by following Christ in the right way, somebody can find Christ. That's kind of cool, right? Didn't have to do anything. Saved a life. Became a hero. <laughs> How about that? I mean, if we just are obedient in that way. Now, it's kind of cool because this next part, this next part is going, you know, rejoicing as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah so that you may rejoice in great joy and revelation of his glories. If you are ridiculed in the name of Jesus, Christ Jesus, you are blessed because the spirit of glory of God rests on you. None of you, however should suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. And you're going, what's that all about? Well, remember, I got to hit some pants up again. Uh, 
my daughter is laughing. So, no. So, so you got to remember Peter, right? He's in Rome. And I, I, I don't know for sure if this one, he could be in prison, just out of prison, or about to go into prison because he's suffering for Christ. Because he's speaking, speaking and living a life after Christ. I mean, and eventually he's going to die for it. You know? And, and we can go, oh, yeah, Peter. Now, Peter's giving us these instructions. I don't. I'm, I'm suffering for Christ in prison, all right? And you're going to be blessed if you suffer like this and everything. You don't want to suffer because you murdered somebody. I, you, you can't set up this, this situation like, well, they're just out there talking about, uh, you know, preaching against the church and all that. So I got a solution to that. I'm going to, you know, just take them out. Not, not the picture that Peter's uh, giving us here. And, and the other thing is, Remember who Peter is. This is kind of hard for him to swallow because Peter was a guy that was in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus on the night. And the guys come up to take him and he jumps out with a sword and cuts the guy ear off. Oh yeah, you don't want to suffer for Jesus like that. And, and the most embarrassing probably was when, when Jesus went out and put the guy's ear back on. Peter, come on, Peter, come on. You, can't, you don't get to go, well, Lakeway needed a few extra thousand dollars, so I found a bank that didn't need it. And I, now, you're going to go to jail, and you are righteously going to jail because you committed a crime. And it is not right. You know, there, there are a lot of political debates that happen out there. And what I'm saying, it is not right for like in a situation at an abortion clinic. That's difficult. We know what the answer is. We, if, if you serve Christ, I'm sorry, you know in your heart that issue of abortion, that's wrong, right? But we don't get to uh, do a super late-term abortion on a doctor or a nurse or a woman who's going to have an abortion in the name of Jesus. We don't get to do that, and that's what Peter's doing here. That's what Peter's saying. You, that is so because doing that, what does that do? How many people are going to turn against Christ just because you've committed such a heinous act? It is all about hating the sin and loving the sinner. And thank God for that. Because if it were the other way around, none of us would have found salvation. None of us would have found salvation. There are a lot of things in our life that are not as bad as what I just talked about. But we feel pretty uh, dignified or righteous sometimes in attacking someone in that way. And we shouldn't. I mean, there's, there's things about turning the other cheek. That's what we have to strive for. Yeah, if you want to beat me up, beat me up. I'm not going to go along with what you say. I'm not going to bless it. I'm not going to condone it. I can understand you and I can love you through all your pain and all your misguided actions. But me, this is the path I follow. I have no right to condemn anybody. Peter didn't have a right to condemn anybody. 
And he cut the dude's ear off. And that's what Jesus did when he healed the guy's ear. He healed Malchus's ear. He said, Peter, he's just a dude, and I love him too. So we as Christians, it's hard. It's difficult to swallow our pride, to swallow things and go, okay. Now for the checkered flag, the end. I'm, I, I know you're all going, phew, phew. where's the wine, right? What are <coughs> Suffering for Christ comes on us. There are attacks upon us for following Christ. They should not come out of attacks we make on others because we think we are protecting Jesus. It's not our job. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household, and if uh, for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if the righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? For those who suffer according to God's will should, while doing what is good, entrust themselves to a faithful creator. The judgment begins with us. The judgment begins with us. And thank goodness, because of the blood of Christ, we're going to get through. And and we have that promise. We have that promise. But here's the passion of God. Peter's going, hey man, I I need you all to think about the people who are persecuting you. They're hurting you. And I know it's bad, but you're going to get through. And I mean, it's tough now. This persecution, he's, he's saying it's tough. But folks, it's going to be so much worse on them. For those who don't accept Christ, it's damnation. It's forever, ever separating from God and from the Creator, from the purpose that you were made. It's forever Oh my goodness, do good things so that hopefully they can look at you. Hopefully they will see good and righteousness and hope and peace and love and joy in you and that they can find salvation and they don't have to go through that judgment, that they will be saved. This is Peter explaining. But I want to finish with Romans 8, 28 through 39. And if If you listen close, you hear the same thing. You hear the exact same thing in Romans 8, 28. And it's funny. Peter looks, 1 Peter, we look at it and it's like, man, that's kind of rough. Man, how do I figure that out? We're going to be persecuted and i got to keep my nose to the grindstone and follow right and do good and all that. That's tough. Paul writes, and I don't know if Paul's just, I don't know. He gives you a, a whole different attitude when you read the same basic idea. But in Romans, i got to get to the end of it now. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called, and those He called, He also justified, He made right. 
And he, and those he justified, he also glorified. The believer's triumph. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Who? Not the outside world. If you follow Christ, you're the, you become the standard that the outside world. We, our standard is Christ. The outside world, they're going to go, hey, you aren't even as good as these folks. You, you get that picture? You try to live good. And the standard. So again, who can bring accusation against us? Against God's elect. God is the one that justifies. Who's the one who, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than victorious in him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or life Angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, guess what? Now you might not feel about it because it twinges, you know, or you what? God says you can look at the world as evil and bad and mean and ooh. Painful as it is, and you can go, hey, baby, bring it on. Bring it on, because I'm going to get through, and I got a champion, just like the kid's song. I got the Lion of Judah. Let him roar. Now, I want to read you one little section. It's out of the Americans. It's the same little part. It's verse 37, because I like it. <laughs> and it's just this. In all these things... We are more than conquerors through, the through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. Now think about it for just a minute. The, the, the one says victorious. So we know we win. A conqueror wins. But what is more than a conqueror? A conqueror is someone who has life and brings in new life and builds and reconstructs and makes it better. That is a conqueror. That's somebody more than a conqueror. It's somebody who rebuilds. So here we are as, as Christians, and we're in the life, and we, we see this thing that's going down. We see things, lives torn apart. Well, guess what? It's an easy thing to do. Just like Peter said, stay steadfast. Live your life like you should, following Christ as a Christian, and you're going to suffer and everything like that. People are going to look at you from the outside and you're going to become more than a conqueror because you're going to build into their life. We're told from the very beginning we're created in God's image. And God breathed life into us. The word is inspire. He inspired us. He breathed into us. So there we go. 
as living examples, as people's mirrors are, are, are a reflection of Christ, an example for people to follow if we can stick to it, God will use us to inspire those around us to breathe life into them. Now, I'm finished. And I know you all are. Hector, come lead us out in prayer. Okay. <laughs> you should be taller, too. If I can have the ushers come up, please. <laughs> Did I say I love my mama?